sometimes sometimes we we forget about the eternalness of Christ. Uh, he created it all. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and and what He made everything. He He's not some Johnny come lately. He's existed for all of eternity. And uh, thank you, Willie. I, I deeply appreciate that, and I, I can tell the folks do, and not just appreciate it, but uh, edified as a result of it. No doubt if I uh, ask the question, which I have on different occasions, what in the world is wrong with the world? I, just about everybody realizes that uh, there's something wrong. I mean, surely this is not the way that it's supposed to be. But the question is, is what's wrong? Why? Is it wrong? What can we do about it? Can anything be done about it at all? If you were to ask those that are called deists, uh, those folks that believe in God like you do, but they believe that God created the world and gave man life, but then just took a hands-off approach and say, now there it is, and it's up to you to do whatever without any divine revelation or guidance or anything like that. There are people that believe that. Many of our founding fathers believed that. I like what one person described it as. He said it's like a clockmaker, you know, who created the clock and he wound it up and just let it go, you know, until it winds down. You know, with stupidity like that, it's no wonder things are like they are. Because that's sheer stupidity. To think that God just created the world and then said, all right, I'm through with it. I don't want to have anything more to do with it. So naturally, we live with a lot of questions. And, and we need to start, I think, with this. And that is, what, what's the problem and what's the answer? We... We need to identify the real true problem, but we've got to go beyond that and find the answer to it. I've often summed it up by saying man's greatest need is for man to see his greatest need, because most people don't, and, and, and go through life without ever seeing their greatest need. I'm glad that God is concerned, that God... Uh, recognizes our need and warns us about our need and uh, has given us revelation. He's communicated with us. The problem is that man, generally speaking, refuses to listen to God. I started what's going to be a series a week before whenever I preached about hearing God. Well, today I want to speak to you about God speaks. In the logical order, I first thought that I ought to first preach about God speaks and then talk about hearing God. But then I got to thinking, it's one thing to say God speaks. It's another thing to understand our responsibility to, to hear God. So that's why we started there. Our responsibility to hear God, and make no mistake about it, as you're going to see today, God speaks. Yeah. 
I want you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter number 8. Many folks consider the book of Proverbs to be the most helpful book of the Bible whenever it comes to practical advice, practical living. And uh, I'd encourage anyone, everyone to study the book of Proverbs. And I'm not going to preach all through chapter number 8 here, but I want to focus on the last section. You know, we can debate about whether Proverbs is the most important book in concerning practical values. But I don't have any reason to debate the issue when it comes to chapter 8. I simply believe that it is the most important of all of the Proverbs. That's my personal opinion. And we're not going to go through it verse by verse, as I would love to do, but I just want to use this as a springboard to launch us into the message that God speaks. Notice verse 32. Now therefore hearken unto me. Now let me stop for just a moment. As you go through this chapter, you need to realize that wisdom is personified. By that, I mean that it speaks as wisdom as being a person, and not just any person. Wisdom personifies Christ. And the Bible tells us that Christ is made unto us what? Wisdom. He is wisdom. And that, that is the picture here. It's absolutely as though Christ is speaking. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse not. I don't know about you, but there's key words that I've underlined there in my Bible. Verse 33, the word hear, instructions, be wise, refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors, for whoso findeth me findeth life, and whoso obtain favor of, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Can you imagine how it would be, how awful it would be if God just chose to create man and then refused to have any communication with him? There'd be total confusement, right? I mean, we'd be reduced to the level of the lowest brute beast in the field. We just live our life by instinct. There would be no reasoning, no revelation from God as to what is right and what is wrong and what we ought to be doing. We'd have no idea how we got here. We have no idea why we exist or what we ought to do or where we're going. We could never unravel any of those mysteries had God not chosen to communicate with us. Amen. And for me, that raises a question. And that is, why did God choose to communicate with us? Why? What was it that prompted God after the creation to continue to communicate with man? He didn't do that for the beast of the field. He gave them natural instincts by which they live. For man, he did something different. 
He chose to maintain communication with us. And he did so, I believe, because his attributes dictate his actions. Attributes define what God is. The Bible says that God is love, for example. That's only one of the attributes. His main attribute, of course, is holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But love is one of the attributes. Love isn't just from God. Love is God. God is love. He is the source of all love. And that being the case, it tells us that God from the very beginning has had man's interest at heart. He's concerned. Why you say, well, why would he be concerned about me? Because he loves you. He loves you regardless of who you are, what you've done, what you think, however wrong you might be, God loves you. And because he loves you, he wants your attention, and he's willing to give you his attention. I wish whenever I whenever I was a young father that I had been wiser than what I was because, you know, at the beginning nobody comes with with a how-to-do-it book in raising children unless you read the Bible, and I didn't. And I tended to give my kids the same answer that a lot of people do. Tell them to do something, they want to know why. Because I said so. Because you know what's going to happen if you don't. But where there is real, genuine concern for the person rather than you getting your way, there ought to be a communication there. And that's what's going on between God and man. God is concerned enough about you that He doesn't just shut the door and say, I don't want anything to do with you. I've got a universe to run. No, God speaks. I want you to think about that in three ways this morning. First of all, we look at the Bible and we see that God has spoken in the past. I really don't even know what page to turn to because you can just go through here and over and over and over again. God spoke. God said. He speaks in different ways. I think about Elijah and that, that still, small voice. But then I think about Saul whenever the Lord spoke to him, it was a sound as though it had thundered. I think about Moses, and here Moses is at the burning bush, and God speaks out of the bush, and then I think about Ezekiel, and it was like the sound of many waters. With Abraham, God sent an angel to him to deliver the message. With Daniel, it, it was a dream. And on and on and on we could go about the different ways in which God has spoken. He's spoken in different places. Go back to the very beginning of the Bible and see that God spoke to Adam there in the garden. But with Noah, he spoke to him on Mount Ararat. At Babel, he spoke to Nimrod. He spoke to Abraham at Bethel. He spoke to Jacob there in the wilderness and there Moses at Jericho, and on and on and on the list goes of the different places. Gideon's on the threshing floor. 
probably scared to death like everybody else. They're outnumbered. They have no, have no idea. They have an enemy that wants to destroy them. And there on the threshing floor, God spoke to him. Daniel was in prison, falsely accused and put in prison. It seemed like that although he had been doing everything right, everything's going wrong. But they're in prison. They could lock him in prison, but they couldn't keep God out. And God spoke to him while he was in the prison. I think about Hezekiah. He's on his sickbed. But God spoke. Job's on an ash heap. I mean, my, scraping the sores off of his skin, sitting on an ash heap, and God spoke. Isaiah was in the temple and God spoke. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The point I want you to get here is that God speaks and God is everywhere. And He speaks to people in different ways. And by the way, don't, don't assume that because God spoke to someone in a dream way back when, that God speaks to you through dreams today because there's no evidence at all that that would be true. Or for somebody to say, well, so-and-so in the Old Testament, they heard God's voice. That doesn't mean you're going to hear any audible sound. You see, God's chosen a different route, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. He speaks to all of us the same way today. But there are many reasons why God speaks. He spoke in what? He created everything. God didn't have to break a sweat. To create the world. No effort whatsoever. All he had to do was just speak the world into existence. Then he gave instructions to Adam. Isn't it sad that Adam refused to listen? Oh, he heard the words. He knew, but he didn't really hear so as to listen with the intent of obeying. And in a week or two... I have a whole sermon on that. Israel was taught from the very beginning as little children, the number one thing is for you to hear. And there's a word for that. We'll talk about it in another message. Adam knew. He could quote verbatim what God said, but he did not really heed the message then God had something to say to Cain. Remember, sin has entered into the world and now Cain is displaying his sinfulness and then he kills his own brother. And God spoke and condemned him. But then God is a God of grace and uh, even though the world was evil, He spoke to Noah. He said, Noah, I've got a plan. I've got a means whereby that people don't have to be destroyed in this awful flood. I want you to build a boat. Can you imagine what people must have thought back then? Is Why would somebody, what is a boat? Or why would you build a boat? Oh, it, Moses says it's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. It's going to flood the whole earth. Uh, he must have sounded crazy to to people back then. Remember in the beginning it never had any rain. That wasn't the way that God 
supplied the water. It was a perfect environment. Didn't have rain like we think of rain today. God said, Noah, I want you to build a boat, build an ark. He didn't just tell him what to do. He tells him how to do it. Gives him instructions. See, God speaks. God could have said, Noah, you need to figure this out. There's going to come a big rain. And if you want to get out of it, you better figure out something. You know, Noah might have thought, well, I'll climb the highest tree around here. Oh, no, it's going to be bigger than that. Well, I'll scale the highest mountain. No, it's going to be bigger than that. You need something that will buoy you up and hold you up above the wrath of the flood. Build an ark. And he told him exactly how to do it because that ark is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here God is speaking so as to show that he has plans for man's deliverance from his sinfulness. The list goes on and on and on for the many different reasons that God spoke by the word of his mouth. And the Lord calmed the storms. He healed the sick. He even raised the dead. So what does that tell you? It tells us that God is active. You know, sometimes we get to thinking, well, God forgot all about me. It seems like he doesn't even know or doesn't care what I'm going through. Oh, no. listen, God is active all the time, 24 hours a day. God is active, but God's not just active. He's concerned. Concerned about each and every one of us, but it tells us that God is powerful. He's able to do exceeding abundant above all that we could ever even ask or think. That's one of those verses that just winds up my mind to the point that like it's unlimited the things that come to mind that God's able to do and, and stuff that we never even thought about. Oh, we know God's powerful, but is He that powerful? Oh, you, you can't even imagine how powerful God is. So God has spoken in the past, but we need to understand God still speaks today. Amen. And boy, if I fully covered all of the things related to this, it'd take several hours about God speaking today. But I just simply want to remind you that God is speaking today. We've been in our Sunday school classes studying the book of Romans. And I think about there in Romans from the very beginning, God reminding sinful man of what he had provided. It's as though God had said, I have spoken to you through the scenery, the scenery of creation, what you see. In other words, you don't have any excuse for rejecting me. Just look at what I've created. Now, admittedly, we only get an, a, just a limited message from that, right? I mean, we don't get all of the facts. We, we don't see it all just from that. But I tell you, when you do pursue the limited 
knowledge you have of God's will, when you pursue that some way or another, God will see that you get what you need. People all the time asking, but what about all of those, what about those poor heathen people in certain countries that, you know, they, they don't have a Bible, they, they've, they, what about them? Doesn't seem fair God send them to hell. It's their sinfulness that damns their soul. And listen, if there's some poor soul somewhere that by looking at the manner in which God has spoken some way or another, God will get that man all the information he needs. It might be through a missionary. It might be through a tract someone's dropped. It might be through a Gideon's Bible. I, I don't know. There in Romans chapter number one, he tells them, look, I, I did this. And you, what did they do? They worshiped the creation rather than the creator. Kind of like some of the tree huggers today. People that seem to be so concerned about this earth and the environment and talking about weather change and all of this and we got to do this and we got to do that. Well, Listen, that's not the solution to our problems. Any of our problems, the solution is to get our heart right with God and to listen to what God has said. I mean, just look at creation and it tells you there had to be a design or someone had to design this and then someone had to have the power to create it. God still speaks. You've often heard me say back in Missouri in the summertime, we... We didn't have air conditioning. In fact, for a long, long time, we didn't have a fan. You'd open the window over here, and the window, basically all the windows open, you'd hope there'd be a breeze. I still remember when we got our, our first window box fan. Wow, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Create our own breeze. And so there were times that Sis and I sleep out in the backyard just throw a blanket down on the ground, you know, and sleep out there and lay there looking for those shooting stars. And, and even back then, I'd never read the Bible, never been to church, but I thought, I'd heard Mama talk about God. Surely there must be some power somewhere that made all of that because that, that just can't be natural. It was God speaking. But God today speaks to us through the Scripture. This blessed old book I hold in my hand. That's true from the beginning to the end. The infallible Word of God. It claims to be the Word of God and it proves to be the Word of God. And we, could, we could spend hours talking about the history of of the Bible and the evidences. And by the way, you can find that in the series online back some years ago. And Brother Kenneth and I both have addressed these issues. And we do every so often because we want people to understand that you can trust the Bible from the beginning to the end. And we also want folks to understand there is a reason why we use the King James Version of the Bible it's a reason why. In fact, we don't allow any of our teachers to use anything else other than that. You say, well, I never thought about it. What about all these, what about these new up-to-date 
translations, wouldn't that be better and easier to understand? No. No. And if you'll do the research, you'll come to the same conclusion. Those all came from manuscripts, basically, that was known about and rejected, saying, well, oh, the NIV or this or that, it came from some of them old manuscripts older than the King James Version, but that doesn't make it right, doesn't make it better. The translators knew already about a lot of those manuscripts and they did not use them for a reason. They were wrong. They had errors. So if you're here today wondering about the King James Version and recommending what you ought to do if you got something else, I'd say burn it. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm just telling you, spending hours and hours and hours in, in prayer and study and reading, you'll come to the same conclusion that I've come to. The King James Version, you can depend on it when you pick it up and you read it, that God is speaking to you through this blessed old book. Aren't you glad that you, you have the Word of God right here that you can hold in your hand? And you can go to it in a time of need. I love what Job said. He said, I have esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. I, I wonder, do we really feel that way today? He's simply saying, look, it's more important for me to have the Word of God than it is whether I eat or not. And we ought to feel the same way, esteeming the Word of God more important than anything else. I mean, this is the rule book, the playbook, if you please, by which we ought to govern our lives. The decisions we make ought to be made on the basis of what this book teaches. God speaks through the scenery of creation, through the scriptures. But listen, God speaks through the Spirit. If you're here today and you're unsaved, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to convict you of your sinfulness. Because you're never going to really fully understand the Bible and appreciate what God's done until you come to know Christ as your Savior. The Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to convict you. Oh, when it first happens, it might be that you, you don't really know what's going on. Maybe you, someone invited you to church you've never been before. Just like my situation, I went to church. Began to listen to the Bible. I, Mama liked it. She said she did. I, I wonder why she never read it, but she liked it. I say she never did read it. I, uh, not that I saw. But boy, listen. It was that the eloquence of the pastor. He was an old country boy from Paducah, Kentucky. Gone off to Bible college. Graduated and Took this little country church, and there I was. He wasn't an eloquent speaker. 
wasn't his great understanding of the Hebrew and the Greek language because he didn't have that. But there was something about the Word of God, the Bible itself, that got to me. And I couldn't understand why it made such an impact on me. And it was the Holy Spirit using the Word of God. If you have never experienced the convicting power of the Holy Spirit regarding your sins, you've never been saved. Amen. I, you, listen, you might be a charter member of this church or some other church. You might be able to quote books of the Bible. This is why we're so concerned whenever we deal with children. All of our, all of our workers in Awana and Sunday School are very concerned about dealing with children because it's more to it than that child just being able to quote John 3.16 and saying a prayer more to it than that. Before anyone is saved, they have to understand that they are a sinner in God's sight in desperate need of His forgiveness. But if you're here today and you have received Christ as your Savior, remember, the Holy Spirit is now dwelling in you. Actually, God, the same Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, that same power is in you. If He wasn't, you wouldn't have spiritual life. It's the Spirit that quickens our spirit that gives us this life. He imparts this life to us, and then as, as a result of that, He opens our understanding and enables us to do what we ourselves can't do. He transforms our lives. Gives us gifts for service. You say, man, well, I'm here today, but I'm a member of this church and I love the Lord, but I, you know, I, I just, it doesn't seem like it's any, I'm nothing special. I don't know if anything I could do would make any difference. Oh, listen, God gifts all of us in some way. The Holy Spirit, in some way or another, uses all of us, gives us gifts that we might produce fruit that will bring honor and glory to Him. He guides us in doing the will of God. And by the way, He convicts us when we go astray. Wow, I'll tell you what. Whenever we know that we have let God down. We have violated God's standard. We have refused to do God's will. We're not going to get by with it. We're not going to be successful. The Holy Spirit will convict us. And I, I don't know of anything more miserable than, than being under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. For the Christian... You're miserable because you know that you, you didn't just fail. You let God down. You sinned against God. I'm glad God speaks today. Not just through the creation and not just through the Scripture, but by His Spirit. But I want you to know that God speaks today through His saints. I'm glad that God uses people. God works through people. He's given us the scriptures, but he's also 
commissioned us, the saints, the children of God, to preach the gospel throughout the whole world. I can't remember if it was the pastor's pen today or last week or whenever that I made mention of whenever we started the first church there and was meeting at our residence in Springfield. And I'll never forget the text for the message had to do with the feeding of the multitude. Here's a little boy. She got two, two loaves and some fish, but what are they among so many? Some folks must have thought, this is ridiculous. That's never enough. But the little lad gave all that, all that he had. He didn't have anything left. You see, whenever God measures our gift, he doesn't just measure the size of the gift. He measures it according to what's left. That's why the Lord said regarding Mary, leave her alone. She hath done what she could. Little boy said, here, you can have these. Disciples said, but what are they among so many? Listen, the Lord could have rained down manna from heaven. Whataburgers falling down everywhere. He could do something like that. You know what he did? He looked at those 12 guys and said, you, you take that and you start passing it out. He got them involved in feeding the multitude. He wanted them to know that I have a work to do in this world, but I want to use you to do it. God still speaks through His saints today. And the chances are every Christian here became a Christian as a result of someone else who provided you with instruction, with counsel, with being a good example and inspiration. Someone had an impact on your life. And God used them to get you the message. I'm telling you, God still speaks. And He uses people, and you need to listen. At another time, we'll get into detail, but I want you to know God still speaks through situations. There are no accidents with God. He either appoints everything or allows it. One of the two. Everything in your life. You say, preacher, I don't, I don't know if I can believe that or not. After all, I've got cancer. Well, God either allowed it to happen or God appointed it and said it's going to happen. One of the two. It has to be one of the two. So God's in control. God's in charge. And let me tell you, God knows how to use different situations to get our attention. This reminds us that God is a sovereign God. He does what He wants to do because He knows that it'll always be that which is best. He knows how to get our attention. Look back through history and you'll find examples of that abounding everywhere. In fact, there are folks right here this morning that could stand up and testify how God how God got your attention. You didn't have any real concern about God whatsoever. You're doing your own thing. But boy, all of a sudden, God just 
pull the props out from under you and there you are flat on your back and you don't have anywhere to look but up and you did and as a result of that God used that situation to get your attention and I'm telling you when he speaks you better listen God speaks he did in the past he does today but God will speak in the future I'm saying that because since the completion of the scriptures, God hasn't given us any additional revelations. Regardless of what the Mormons and others try to tell you, this is it. It's all the written revelation that you're going to get from God. And it might seem to some, oh, well, that's it, and that's all we ever got. Oh, no, listen, God's not through yet. He's not through speaking. He still has plenty to say, and He's going to do it. For example, He's going to speak with a shout at the rapture. First Corinthians chapter 4 tells us that. He's going to speak with a shout. The sound of the trumpet's going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Well, we look at this world and we get thinking sometimes, I, I don't even want to be here anymore. It is so awful, so terrible. It's beyond recovery. I, I, the blessed hope is what? Jesus said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back and you're going to get caught up. I get a Henson song, Call Me Gone. Call me gone. Then he's going to speak with the wrath during the tribulation. A lot going on right now in Israel. Now, I'm not going to go there and talk about that, but a lot of different things going on in Israel. Some people scratching their head wondering what's going on. Listen, they ain't seen nothing yet. Because whenever the children of God are taken up at the rapture, the wrath of God is going to come upon all of those during the tribulation. It'll be, Jesus himself says it's going to be the worst time that there's ever been. Never been a time like this. Study the Bible and you'll see that it'll be so bad that women will revert to cannibalism, eating the flesh of their own children. Why wouldn't they? They're starving to death and as the Bible says, they have no natural affection. No attachment to that kid, eat him. That's the kind of time that we're going to live in. I mean, not us, we're going to be caught up, but those left behind that don't know the Lord. And yet the Lord is going to use that because it's during that time that He will be speaking to those Jews that have rejected Him the nation of Israel who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be 144,000 of them sealed. And the greatest harvest of souls that have ever been is going to be during that seven year period. Oh, we have our evangelistic campaigns and we brag about, oh, I had 100 saved or Billy Graham maybe saying we had 1,000 saved at that. That's nothing. That's nothing. Nothing. 
You know, one reason why we don't see more great things happening today is because we have it too good. We've lived in the lap of luxury. We have been spoiled. Here in America, we have a, a generation that has been spoiled that doesn't see the need of God in any serious way. The boy, whenever it gets as bad as it will during the tribulation, God's going to be speaking, and there are going to be some folks start listening to them. Oh, but preacher, I thought you, I thought you said the ministry of the Holy Spirit's going to end, and and those that have heard the gospel won't be saved. You're exactly right. Those that have heard the gospel, because there have been people that have reasoned, well, preacher, if you're right about this prophecy stuff and all of a sudden all of my Christian friends disappear I'll know you were right and then I'll become a Christian oh, it doesn't work that way you will believe the lie the Bible says well, where, are all these un- where are all of these people coming from then that's going to be saved there are people that have never truly heard the gospel of Jesus Christ that tells you how miserably we are failing at getting the gospel to the whole world Because the Bible says there at the end of that tribulation there's going to be a great mighty number that no man could number. I mean, it's going to come out of the tribulation. All because God spoke. Then God's going to speak at the judgment seat of Christ. Now remember, this judgment is for the Christian. It's not to see whether someone's saved or not. It's a it's a judgment of the Christian and their works. It's a time that they're rewarded. Did you ever feel like, preacher, I love the Lord, I'm faithful to the Lord, I do the best I can, but I just, it's just like it's nothing ever happens. I'm so discouraged and blue, I feel like quitting. Feels like all my work is in vain. Oh, no. It's, the work of the Lord's never in vain. And one day, let me tell you, you're going to stand there at the judgment seat of Christ and you'll be rewarded with those crowns that He has promised. What, what a great day that will be. Just to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And to receive a, a crown or a reward for our labor here upon this earth. That's a life worth living. But God's still not through. He's going to speak again. And and that time he's going to speak at what's called the great white throne judgment of God. This, is, this has to do with those that are unsaved. So what is that all about? Some folks still believe, well, God's going to measure our good works against our bad works. Look, if you're not saved, all of, all of your works are bad works. You don't have any good works. And I... I hope you understand because your behavior is measured against God's holiness and we don't have any any righteousness of our own this isn't about whether God's going to see if you're saved or not he already knows that this is to decide the degree of your punishment hell is for eternity forever When you die, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell, but there are different degrees of hell. You look over the last part of the book of Revelation, it says, He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. 
In other words, he's saying there, if you go look at that particular verse, he's saying, as you were when you died, so you will be. Here's a man that is addicted to meth, alcohol, whatever. Sex, whatever it is, the addiction. Has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, dies and goes to hell. For all of eternity, he's going to be craving what he craves here on earth. To some degree or another. What happened when rich man and Lazarus and rich man died? And he, he didn't go to heaven. Rich man died. And he was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. What, what did he want? Water. She said, Father Abraham, would you send Lazarus just a little bit of water to put on the tip of my tongue? I'll never forget visiting a man years and years ago back in Springfield. He's actually at the psychiatric ward of a hospital. He was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I sat there and as I talked to him, he began to describe to me how horrible the withdrawals were. He said, Preacher, I can just drive down the road in those telephone posts down the road. He said, the only thing I can think of when I see them, it look like giant hypodermic needles. And all I can think about is another fix. I need another fix. I can't take it anymore. Everything he looked at reminded him in some way of what he was craving. Can you imagine spending eternity separated from God and all of your loved ones in hell craving the things that you crave the most here on earth. Listen, God speaks. Over in Hebrews chapter 3, you don't have to turn there because it deals with Israel. And he says, Hear, O Israel. He's using an example of what Israel did back in the Old Testament when God spoke to them. He had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. Said, here it is before you. All you got to do is go over and, and receive it. And yet they refused. Hear, O Israel. It's over there where it says, today is the day of salvation. God is speaking. And we need to consider the consequences of not listening to God, not hearing God. If we ignore God, it leads to our ignorance. If we disregard God, then that leads to delusion. If we harden ourselves, and by the way, we can do that without realizing what's happening. I often say, every time you attend church and you hear the Word of God, when you leave, you either leave better or worse than you came. Because the Word of God affects us in one of those two ways. And a lot of times people will harden themselves to the point that they do something that they can't undo. And their stubbornness leads to suffering, their disobedience to destruction. They rebel against God and that results in their ruin. 
in history, if we could look at the whole of it, is one long story of rebellion against God. Now I want to ask you three questions and I'm through. Number one, do you really believe everything in the Bible? We talk about being Bible believers. We should be. Do you really believe everything in the Bible? You say, I sure do. I hope so. Second question is, what is God saying to you? I mean, maybe not just right now, but it's been going on for days, weeks, months, maybe years. Every time you get to a certain verse or a certain part of the Bible and it says this and the Holy Spirit begins dealing with your heart and God speaking to you about something that you need to do and you just put it off. What is God saying to you? What is He saying to you right now here this morning based on what I've talked about? What's God saying to you? Number three, what are you going to do about it? Boy, I would, I believe with all of my heart. Let me tell you something. Brother Kenneth can tell you that nobody gets more out of a message than, than the preacher because all of the time of preparation, God is speaking to him. It's a big difference in, in a preacher going online and like one mega church pastor bragged about, he said it's stupid to waste time preparing sermons when you can go online and get them and print them off and preach them. That's exactly what he said, and he's got one of these mega churches. As though that's something to brag about. No, I tell you, before it ever gets to you, it goes through us and our heart, and sometimes it's gut-wrenching when you realize that God is speaking to you about some area of your life. It might have to do with your temper, your selfishness, your whatever it is. And you know right then, I can't, I can't get up and preach that until I get on my knees and I make it right with God. So what is God saying to you this morning? Maybe you've made a profession of faith, but you never followed Him in baptism. You didn't want to get wet. I don't know what your excuse might be, but that's a serious matter. If you've really been saved, you need to be scripturally baptized. And if you haven't been saved, you need to be saved more than anything else in this world. Say, well... Preacher, I'm saved and I've been baptized, but I don't know anything else God wants me to do. I dare you to come up to Brother Kenneth whenever the invitation is given and say, Brother Kenneth, I've been saved and baptized and I'm a member of this church, but I don't know of a thing in the world that I could do for the Lord. Bring a, bring a big piece of paper when you come, by the way. There's something for all of us to do, and all we do is important to God. Amen. What are you going to do about it? 
And if you're not saved, please don't walk out the door thinking or hoping that, well, maybe later on I'll, I'll deal with this. There might not be another opportunity. The Lord said, there's the land, go take it. I promise this, I'll be through this time. That was the prelude to the conclusion. There's all of the land, go over and take it and send out some spies, check it out, and they didn't come back. All of them said, man, we can't go over there. We're going to lose. There's giants in that land. We don't stand a chance. Caleb and Joshua said, uh, there's no no problem at all. God's going to send us over there. God will take care of us and They'll be like grasshoppers. We'll stomp them under our feet. But the majority ruled. The majority said, no, 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 we can't go. We're not going. Moses then spoke the words of the Lord and said, okay, you're not going. You'll die in this wilderness. And all of a sudden, they said, oh, it's going to be that bad, huh? I'm paraphrasing. Well, we, we, we changed our mind. Believe we will go. That sounds better, you know, going over there and spending 40 more, 40 more years out here in the wilderness. God said, oh, no. Oh, no. That was the place where they were at, by the way. Oh, no, you're a day too late. You're a day too late. You don't come to God on your terms. We come to God on His terms. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this morning, please don't dismiss it. Do something about it. And you'll never regret it. Let's bow together in prayer while our musicians and Brother David come. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that You've given us the revelation of truth that we call the Bible, the very Word of God, and to know, Lord, that, that it's dependable in absolutely every way. Even when we come up against some of those things, it's hard to understand. We know, Lord, that it's true whether we understand it or not. And Lord, even whenever the majority takes a stand against what the Bible says, we know the, the Bible is the truth and we can rest our hopes upon that. And Lord, I pray this morning we know that you're speaking in some way or another. You're speaking to each and every one of us about something. God help us to deal with it that your will might be done and save that soul that's nearest hell today and help each and every one of us as Christian people today to fully submit ourselves to do your will every day of our life. For we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. While we stand and as we sing, I hear the Savior say
Aren't you glad he paid it all, every bit? 